This is the Live to Inspire podcast with me, your host, Mo Yunus. Welcome to the Live to Inspire podcast with me, your host, Mo Yunus. Today I am with Aston Villa legend, footballing legend, Gabriel Abonahor. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Thanks very much for, for coming on um, to this uh, podcast today. Um, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. We've spoken many times in the past before. Um, but yeah, um, it's good to have you on this podcast. So before before I start, you know, speaking about your life growing up, your amazing career, scoring against the Blues, you know, all these amazing, um, amazing topics. Before I start any of that, I've got to ask you one question. It's, an, it's a question I ask all the guests on this show. So what what is the biggest challenge you're facing right now today? I think today the big, the biggest challenge for me is trying to keep busy. I think when you finish football, that's the most important thing, to go from a busy schedule to some players, most players, having not planned for the future, just to keep busy for your, um, for your mental health. So for me, that's the big thing, just trying to keep busy as much as I can. Yeah, so is that is it is it hard or is it easy or you know how is it? No, I think it is hard. I think when when you're a footballer, you you you're sort of forced to have a schedule. You haven't got a choice. You have to mm-hmm. be training at nine thirty. You have to be in a hotel before a game. Do you know you you've got bosses who tell you what to do? If that makes sense. So you yeah. got structure to your life. When you stop playing, you know you're free, sort of, where you can do whatever you like, which can be dangerous. For a lot of people, you know, to know that yeah. you can you can do whatever you want in the world, and no one can tell you you can't do. Does that make sense? So it's 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 harder in that way, and sometimes too much free time can be bad. As much as I think we all would love to not work, if you don't work for a month, I'm sure a lot of people will will miss going to work. So for us, it's it's trying to keep busy as much as we can. Yeah. Um. So before. What I'm going to do is I'm, we're going to go way back now to when to when you were a child growing up. So how, how was how was it growing up? Yeah, it was good. You know, we lived in a in a, a little house in Erdington. Me and my two brothers, two sisters. You know, I shared a bedroom with my two brothers. There was two bunk beds that we um we shared. Yeah, it was just a, a humble beginning. You know, we had um. A small, small, small garden, but big enough to play one man Wembley, the three of us. So we just played football outside, non-stop breaking fences. Um, strict parents. Um, if you wasn't doing education, you had to be playing football. There was no mm-hmm. watching movies, maybe as a treat. There was no playing outside of the kids on the street. It was very, very strict um, upbringing. And um, yeah, um, humble beginnings. And yeah. So, like, you know, as a child, you know, um, you had um, your parents, unfortunately, split up um, when you were very young. Um, How how, how did you overcome all that? And, you know, how was it for you? I think for me it was fine because, um, so my my mum left me, my older sister, my two older brothers. She left all of us um, at an early age. I was two when she left. So I was only two years old. So for me, 
it didn't really make um, a difference, if that makes sense, because yeah, two, get two years remember. later, my dad um, met another woman and she became my stepmom. So for me, it was more um, not too bad for me. For my older sister, it was more for her because she was older. But for me, it was fine for through my life growing up, especially till I was um, middle, probably probably 13, 14. My stepmom was like my mom, if that makes sense. So yeah. it, didn't, it didn't really affect me. So um, like I've said before to, to people, you know, sometimes when parents leave and they leave their kids and they, they don't ever get back in touch, sometimes you get karma. And, you know, I think my mom's karma was one of her sons made it as a footballer and she missed mm -hmm. out on the, the, the life that my dad's lived. So it's, yeah, um, yeah more... more um, karma on her but for me it didn't really affect me it doesn't affect me today don't mind talking about it because it happens and I was brought up well by my stepmom yeah because I mean I, I was thinking about whether to ask you whether to ask you that but then you know it could inspire a lot of children out there that are going through that you know at, at, at a younger age um, because a lot of children a lot of people do go through that so, like, when you when you were growing up, and how, how did football come about? Was was that your dad and stepmom that were? Yeah, so my involved? dad was obsessed with football. Um, he, he always yeah. used to he was one of the best in his um his village. I still don't believe him, but he used to say he was <laughs> um left footed. But he loved football. He was a Liverpool fan, um, like a lot of um black men in um that sort of era, um because of John Barnes, um players like that at Liverpool. So he was just obsessed with football and I think he just, he, he pushed all three of his sons to play football, you know. And really, he just said since I was two, three, you know, always kicking the ball, me and my two brothers. And I think you're lucky when you've got two brothers because we're all similar age, there's three, three years between us. So having someone to play in the garden with all the time helped, you know. And we, we, we go to the park and play football and I think to have such a strict dad who give you an option. If you want to have fun, it's football. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, so um lucky to have him as a um a guy guidance, you know, through my young age. But just obsessed with football to be honest. In the in primary school, always the one that people wanted on on their team. Same in secondary school. So just obsessed with football to be honest. You so you said you played you played with your brothers um as a child. What why why was it you that became a professional? Were they did they not be interested in it after a while or no, I think that they were they were all interested, but I think what helped me was I went to a um secondary school, a normal secondary school. My brother went to a grammar school because he passed his eleven plus and um they didn't play football there. As you know probably that grammar schools like King Edwards, Aston where he went. Yeah. They, they don't play football. It's rugby. It's pretty. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it, it's the posh sport, isn't it? That they that they play. They don't like to play football. So I think that might have affected him a bit because I got scouted and stuff from playing for my school team and playing for the local district and you know. But um, yeah. So my, my definitely the, the middle brother. He should have made it. He was very 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 good. So it's just okay. a shame. sometimes you need that luck. You know, so maybe I was a bit uh, had a bit more luck in getting scouted where I was playing, etc. But he, he, should have, he should have made it as well. The older one was okay, but the, me, me and the middle one were the better players. Oh, wow. So, so you, 
Yeah, I mean, so you say it about about Luxor. I mean, he could have been a footballer as well. You know, as he was that good, was he? Yeah, he was very good. He was a lot more skillful than me. Um, just as quick, a lot more skillful. But I think his temper temperament didn't help him as well. You know, he used yeah. to get very ang very angry when he used to play and stuff. So there's a lot of factors that come into making it as a footballer. You know, you you gotta have like the temperament, you've got to have the dedication. And um, I think for him, the grammar school thing was something that really um, didn't help him by um, them playing rugby and not football. So when you when you did sign your professional contract, um, if I'm right, it's 2005, was it? Yeah? Yeah. You signed your professional contract. How, how was that then? Because obviously when, when you sign the professional contract, your lifestyle changes, doesn't it? Like, yeah, but not, you know what? Not really, Mo. At, at that sort of time, when, when you sign your first professional contract, your life doesn't really change because, yeah, your money's going up, but it's not going up dramatically. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, and yeah. It changes in a way that if you can only buy one tracksuit a month, you could buy maybe mm -hmm. three tracksuits from JD or JJB. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't um, life-changing money at that age. It was basically like you're in the academy and... You've got that pro contract because you've done well in the under 16s, the under 18s. You know, it was more that that your that your your scholarship wage has increased to the pro wage, but it wasn't um, life changing money. It was just money that might have helped you be able to go and get your first car. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got yeah. I got a golf, um, an old golf I brought from my first car. So it just gave you the chance to do things like that, but it wasn't life changing money to be honest at that time. But I mean, when when your career, you know, gradually as your career went on, and you were playing, you know, when it comes to the point where you were playing at Villa Park in front of all the fans, and you know, when you got to the point where you was really in your prime, and and the money did kind of shoot up and all that, and and when your lifestyle, it you know probably did change a bit. How was that from you know from coming to? to pretty much none of that to coming from pretty much nothing how was that how was the change i can't lie it was it was great <laughs> i can't lie yeah. it was, no, fair, it was, okay. i think when you come from humble beginnings and you know you you so for me i used to go to secondary school and have five pounds for the week and that yeah. had to get me school dinner through the week but i didn't spend it in the first two days because it wouldn't last a week so when you come from them humble beginnings and then you come to this money you know you go from that and then three years later, you're earning, you know, really, really good money. Yeah, it changes. You know, you go into shops. And at that age, it's like anyone, you're going to you're gonna want to enjoy life. You're going to go and get a better car. You're going to go to the... I went to, I remember going to the Lacoste shop in Bullring with my mate. And we bought five tracksuits each. I bought in tracksuits, loads wow. of pens, you know, yeah. hats. And, like, you know, you start going to see the club life, going out and enjoying and helping your family out with bits and bobs and money and stuff, you know, like, so it definitely changes. And, and I can't lie. I, I, I loved it because as a young kid, what young kid doesn't want money at 19? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Every young boy's dream, isn't it? To have this amazing money coming in and be able to, to spend like, like on clothes, on jeans, on, on different things. So for me, it was, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. But what I, was your, what was your, sorry, what was that? I wanted to earn more though. When I got that first contract, I wanted a bigger one. Then I got that one. I wanted a bigger one. You know, like 
you want you want more money you want more money because you can buy different things you can buy help your family more so there was always yeah. that that um in your mind to work harder and do better if that makes sense yeah which you did man fair enough i mean what what was your first biggest purchase you know something you bought and it was something you'd never think you'd get as a child you know what it was my first house i bought my first house at 19, 19, 19, no, 18. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. what I did is that first contract that I signed, um, professional contract, I used all my sign-on fee as a deposit for a house. My dad done it for me. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just, you're getting this sign-on fee, you're not going to go and blow it, you're going to put it down on a house. And the house was a two-bedroom um, house in um, Mere Green, but just to be in there, and I could only afford like a leather sofa, one bed, a microwave, do you know what I mean? A washing machine. I couldn't afford yet yeah, all the things to put in it. But just to have your own house, do you know what I mean? As a kid, you always think, oh, I'm going to live with my mum and dad forever. Yeah, yeah. My own house at like 18 was like, age, yeah. yeah, it was like, you know what? And as well, my dad was super strict. So for me, it was like, I've escaped my dad's house and I could do whatever I want. I got my own house. Yeah. I, got, I mean, I can drive. I got my own house. I'm free from my dad. That was what my thinking was. Like most 18 year olds would be the same, getting getting a chance to move out um, um, their, their, their parents' house. And I was lucky to be able to afford it because obviously a lot of 18 year olds, you know what I mean? I have to save, save, save before they can get a deposit. So I was very lucky in that sense. Yeah. Cause I mean, like during, during your career as well, like, you, you say you can do what, whatever you want when you, you know, when you've moved out um, from your dad's house, but you can't though, can you? Because you have the media and all sorts all over you. So like, ha, do, did you feel any pressure when, when you found out like anyway, whatever you did, basically the media were there. How did that feel? Yeah, it was, it wasn't nice. I remember when I lived in that house, actually, I, um, <clears throat> I think it was my first season. And I didn't turn up for the European Championships with Stuart Pearce. And I went to Dubai instead because I'd, I'd had a long season. I come back and it was all over Sky Sports News. And I looked out my window in my bedroom and there were loads of cars outside my house. It was like paparazzi, you know, um, trying to video and stuff. So for me at 19, I was thinking like, what's going on here? So that, so that part, 100%, as much as I thought, yeah, I can do whatever I like. After a couple of months, that was gone. It was more, you have to be yeah. careful. Wherever you go, you're being noticed. Wherever you go, fans are coming up to you. Wherever you go, you know, everyone knows who you are. Do you know, like, that was a big change for me as well. Like, how everyone in the city knew who you was. Everyone in London, Manchester. So, that was something that took a while to get used to. Because sometimes as well, like, the, the managers can have, a big influence on on the younger players so so what about yourself like back then the manager did who, who was it and did what did they have an influence on you and were they there to support you through that or, or was it not Martin O'Neill wasn't that sort of manager to be honest he was very old school you know he wouldn't really go to Martin and say that you know um, things like that he was just sort the team out for the games you win you get some time off you lose you're in the next day you know like it was very old school um where i think other managers now you could go and speak to about certain things but martin was definitely not that manager but that that's what i was used to anyway coming through the youth team it was more you know yeah. your problems you sort yourself 
that sort of thing. Yeah, because I mean, you know, in your in your career as well, like like I keep saying, you have had one amazing career. The goals you've scored, you've scored against the biggest teams. Um, you've got the highest goal scoring record for for Villa. So you know you've you've done you've done really well. Um, and you've not just had an influence in in that sense, but you've had an influence on people like me as well, like growing up. Um. Even till this day, I look up to you, and I've looked up to you since I was a child. And that's that's why when when I met you the first time, I remember thinking, "Oh, these these guys are going to be. They're not going to talk much. They're just, they're just going to quickly find the shirt and they're going to walk away." Which, which most of them did. Yeah. But I remember you. You stood there, and you had a chat to me. You asked how my day was, and you know, you 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 really did seem like just any other person and I think from then I started to realize that you know what footballers aren't uh, what I thought they were you know what I mean and, and and then growing up you know I remember times when you let me sit in your car and, and take a picture in your car and stuff like that so so you know when you tell me about your childhood as well it it, it all makes sense you know you you kind of grew up from from nothing and you've kept your humbleness and, and a lot of people they wouldn't a lot of people would change with that sort of money and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it, it's special that what the man you've become from is special, man. It's um massive respect to you. Thank you. Um, so I mean, like, I've got to mention scoring against Birmingham City. It always happened, didn't it? It always happened. I think for me, bro, the, the thing about that was that, like, just growing up as a Villa fan and. The era before I made my debut was like the Lee Hendry era, the Device for Sale era, where they used to play Birmingham City, didn't they, and not get the results. You know, I remember the Dion Dublin sending off at Villa Park. I was there. I remember watching the away game when Enkelman, the ball went under his foot and they scored. And, you know, Clinton Morrison used to score, Jeff Horsfield. So, for me, it was more just in my head, like, we have to beat these, you know, see, seeing how yeah. they just celebrate and Robbie Savage and them players, like, it was on my head that, like, whenever I played against them, it was like, we have to beat them. And the big thing as well was when I got my first taste of the derby was when Gary Kale scored that bicycle kick at Villa Park. Yeah. I was on the bench and I'd run into the whole end to celebrate mm. with them. So just to see the noise and the electrifying feeling in the ground that made me feel like I want some of this. So that's why whenever I played them, I'm all less schooled. Yeah, yeah, because it, it was always, you just knew it was going to happen. I mean, when Villa played Blues and you, you were there, you just knew. You know, anyone who played fantasy football then. Yeah, put it on. Like, if I played fantasy football then, I would have been captain, captaining you on that on but, that day. Yeah, I, think, I think it was more as well, especially when we played at their ground, the abuse that I used to get. And it wasn't yeah. bad. Abuse. It wasn't bad abuse. It was just a normal abuse the footballers get, and and deservedly I got it because of um. I used to always wind the fans up when we're warming up yeah. before the game. You know, smiling mm -hmm. at them, going to take shots right by the fans. You know, just to like ump up the atmosphere in the ground, and that made me get up yeah. for the game more as well and feel like you know what, I just want to score to like make this whole stadium silent. Do you know like that? That that's what got me got me into the game and got me going. So when I did score at their ground, honestly, there's no better feeling. I've scored against Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool away. But scoring at St Andrews will top them all. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I can imagine. I mean, that you know, being there as a fan, the atmosphere is always crazy. Um, I, I thought you were the, the 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 Coliseum, and you know, what I mean, it's war. That's what it feels like when you play Birmingham City away. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't you can't leave this place without winning. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So I mean, you you've um. You have you have played for for England. You have you do have um free caps for England, but do you feel hard done by? Do you do you reckon you you know you, you should have um, been called more and played more? Or? You know what? I was in sixteen squads, so I don't think I was hard done by. I think some of it might have been my fault. I used to um I used to pull out of a lot of squads and put Villa first. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. used to get um I used to have little knocks, and then get called up for England, then pull out and come back and get treatment at Villa. Because we were fighting for top four every season, I just didn't want to miss games through getting injured with England. So mm. my loyalty was probably more with my club than country, I feel. So, um, yeah, I did have the opportunities, like I said, 16 squads. And I think back then, you've got to look at the competition as well. There was Owen, Rooney, Heskey was doing very well. There was Darren Bent, Carton Cole. There was Jermaine Defoe, Peter Crouch. You know that that you can't play us all, can you? So for me, it was more pride that I got a man to get three. I didn't want to be a one-cat wonder. So to get two would have been enough. But just yeah. to get the caps is something that like you can cherish forever. Yeah, of course. Even even getting one cap. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. You can you can yeah. say you you know you played for your country. Yeah. So I mean, I mean like playing for Villa. You know, like you said, scoring. You you basically have answered my next question by saying scoring against Blues is, is better than any any other team. But I mean, what is the best goal and the you know, what is the best goal you've scored and and how, how did it make you feel and why was it the best goal you scored? I think for me that the, the best goal that I scored for me, just the feeling afterwards and just the way we felt as a team was the Arsenal away when the long clearance over the top and I ran onto it and volleyed it in. Um, I remember we had the blue and um, black acorns kick kick with the night tick Mm -hmm. and celebrating with Aston Young. I think that was a special one. I don't think it's the best of quality finishes of my goals. I scored better goals, but everything about it, just pacing Gallas and it was a great defender, then smashing that in getting called up to England afterwards. Just the way the team felt at that time, we felt like a really strong team, you know. And I scored against Man United that season as well. So I think I was at like, probably at my, not at my peak, but not far off my peak that season as well. So really enjoyable season. Is is there any, what, is there any player you've played against and, and you thought, you know, you thought, wow, these guys are amazing. Like, what is the who is the best player you played with and the, and against? Um, I think with I'm gonna go um just above Jack. I'm gonna go Ashley Young. For me, mm-hmm. um, Villa fans who watched Villa during that era will will not forget how good he was when he first came to Villa, and you know he just fitted in so good on that left hand side. He used to stay on the left, didn't he? Didn't come inside. He used to stay, as I say, with chalk on the boots. And our players all, always used to cross field passes to him, get it to him early. And every time it was taking you on, no matter who you are. He never yeah. come back and done a safe pass, did he? It was always taking players on at speed, chopping them, chopping them, putting good deliveries into the box. 
He always had the right timing to put me in behind as well. He reminds yeah. me similar of like Jack and Ollie's relationship. Yeah, yeah. Jack always knows when to put it in behind for Ollie. Ollie knows when to give it back to Jack and get in the box, you know. So for me, I see a similar sort of relationship they've got now. So for him, for me, definitely he's like the best I played with. And against, yeah. against I'd say, I'd probably say Ronaldo at Manchester United. I mean, he was yeah. so dangerous. I mean, so, so not scared to just do whatever he wanted on the pitch. Was quick, yeah. had tricks, and you know, in the Premier League, he was outrageous, wasn't he? So yeah. Ronaldo. Yeah, because I mean, now you've mentioned that, I've got to ask, who do you pick out of Prime Jack and Prime Young? I think it's hard to answer that because is Jack in his prime yet? I mean, he's only twenty-five. I think he's still got more to give Jack. I think he can get better. So. Yeah, yeah. So you don't think Jack in his prime now? No, 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 no. I think he can get better. Mm -hmm. And I think he'll agree with that. I think um, yeah. he's been outstanding the last two seasons, hasn't he? But I think, like, he can get better. I think he, when he cuts it on his right foot, he, can, he, he probably think, you know what, I can score more. I can whip more into the top corner more. You know, with his finishing, he, he'll know he can get better. So for me, at the moment, I'd probably say prime Ashley Young on that left-hand side. But... I think Jack can probably overtake him because I think he can get better. And, and he knows he can. He knows it. He said it himself. He said that, you know, he, he, he doesn't think he's at his best yet. He can go again and get better. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I agree with that one. I think, um, yeah, Jack... Um, I think it's, it's, it's easy as well for people to forget players from before. It's easy to do, isn't it? You know, because Jack's... On our minds now, we can see him. People will forget how good Ashley was. But if you think back and if you watch videos of some of the games that Ashley played in, I mean, he used to rip defenders. I remember yeah. the game against Chelsea at home, Mourinho, manager, and we beat them. I remember he skipped the ball in the air, ran down the line, shot. I put my foot out and he went in. And like yeah. that game, he was like ridiculous. But look at the Jack as well. Jack's been outrageous. So it's a really close call. But for now, I'd say Ashley Young. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. Like, like I said before, I think Jack can get better, but um, and obviously because I'm, I've, I've saw more of Jack, yeah, and I was very young when I was very young exactly. when Young was playing, so yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, back going like back back to your career, like, is there anything you would you would have changed or, or are you happy with everything? Oh, lo loads. <laughs> yeah, loads, really. Like, like what? I think for me, like, the biggest thing that probably, like, partying. If, if, yeah. I start, if I could start again, I wouldn't have partied as much. For me, mm -hmm. I was a severe party boy. I mean, I used to go out twice a week. I'm not going to lie. Loved the club life. London, Manchester, Newcastle, Birmingham. That was just me. I think because my dad was so strict with me through my childhood. Does that make sense? Once I became yeah. three, I sort of like just loved being out clubbing and partying. And I think that was the biggest regret, regret because I think when you're young, you don't realise, but the older you get, you know, it, it takes its toll on you. Does that make sense? So, yeah, I think yeah. that was my biggest regret, but if I said to myself at the age of 18, I'd have the career, that career that I had, then 
older thing and saying you're joking, you know. So, um, yeah, so definitely regrets, but, you know, happy in my career. Do you, do you think as well, because like, like, like we mentioned the media before, when, when whatever you did, it was it's it was all over the papers and stuff. Do you, do you think you were, do you, you know, do you feel you were targeted by the media? Yeah. Think, yeah. That's what they do. They, they even told me that they targeted me. They, they targeted me. Mm-hmm. They, now they target Jack. They start they target Sterling. With mm-hmm. me, they they knew that I was a party boy. They knew mm-hmm. that I was easy, easy meat to catch, you know, like. Yeah. So they, I remember coming out of restaurants and taking pictures of me. I, I'd ask them why you're taking pictures. They'd say, because we're going to use these when you next mess up, basically. That's what they no. say. Yeah. And I just think that they, they just loved it, didn't they? Like when I got caught smoking shisha in Dubai, I mean, I got I some people asking me that fined. And I'm thinking, mm. if you look at it now, it's smoking shisha. Do you know what I mean? Like, so. No, it's not, is it? Exactly. So obviously, someone's took that picture in Dubai, sent it to the Sun. They've, they've posted, they've, they've obviously done a story on it. But I think they were obsessed with me. Do you know what I mean? I remember once I was in the paper three days in a row, the sun on the front page, and Tim Sherwood called me and says, are you okay? And I was like, I was a bit like, not really, no. Because like, I was waking up to like 50 messages in the morning saying, oh, I just seen you at the train station on the paper. I'm like, what now? Do you know what I mean? Like, my private life and stuff. So they were definitely targeting me, 100%. I didn't help myself in certain situations, but... Some of the times they definitely targeted me. Yeah, because because I, I I remember as well, like you know, I remember because obviously I was I, I've always been a massive fan of you and I used to follow your life basically. I remember seeing it all the time as well, seeing and and I used to be thinking, God, is Gabby at it again? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it, it, and and I mean sometimes they, not even sometimes, a lot of the time when they do target someone, they do make things sound a hundred times worse than they are. I think as well, you know what I mean? I think as well, fans and managers and clubs, they don't really care if you're still performing on the pitch. I think what affected me in my the latter of my career was when I was getting into these little predicaments, I wasn't performing on the pitch. You know, we, we, we Villa wasn't doing well. That's the problem. If you're doing well and you're getting caught doing things, it can be forgiven quickly. Does that make sense? Because you're yeah. on the pitch. So I think it's when I was younger and I used to get into little problems, the managers didn't really care, to be honest, because you were scoring every every now and then. You were giving good performances. So it's all in context of how you're performing on the pitch. Because, because I mean, like when, when, you re- when you retired as well, like, you must have felt a sense of relief because once you retire, there's a lot of things you know you can't do. Not, yeah, they're not bothered as well. Mm. The, 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 the press aren't bothered as, about you when you retire. You mm. know, you're like dead meat now, not fresh meat. Mm. Dead meat. You know what I mean? So <laughs> the relief, honestly, now when I go for food, wherever I go, they don't care about me. That's what I love. Mm. I love now mm. being like free finally, where you know, if I wanted to come out of a club or a restaurant, drunk, you know, they're not going to be bothered by me. They're looking for Deli Alley. They're looking for Jack. Yeah, yeah. Madison. Do you know what I mean? They're looking for these Sterling, Rasford. They want to see them doing it now. 
that's the that's the money for them now. So for me, I'm just glad that I'm um I've been left alone now and um can do anything I like. Yeah, cause yeah, cause I mean, like obviously now now like you said, they're they're looking for the younger players. But what would what would your message be to to the younger players that that you know they're getting into football, but they're targeted by the media? What what would your message be to them? I think just try and like um not bring it on yourself sometimes. You know, um I think there's a lot of targets out there now, and they're clever. I mean, Sterling's a target, but. You don't mm. see him get himself into any situation, so he doesn't give mm. them any any smoke, you know. So it would be that advice: just try and be a professional. Um, you know, don't really drink. Try and be um, player like Harry Kane, who made some mount, who stay in, and you know, family men. Then you don't get yourself into the predicaments. Yeah, yeah. So now we now now we move on to like what what you what you're doing now. You're retired and. You're doing punditry now, I see, talk sport, winding people up, <laughs> especially the Leeds fans. Love to hear it. So tell us how the punditry, punditry came along and stuff. How, how did that come along? So for me, um, it's funny because when I, when, I, when I was playing football all through the years, I always thought to myself, the day I retire, I'm going to go on holiday forever. I'm going to sit on beaches. Yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. wake up at home and go to the cafe. Eat, mm. eat rubbish, go home, chill, go on holiday whenever I like. But when you actually retire, it don't work out like that. Do you know what I mean? You're in this fantasy mm. that you're playing. Like, yeah, I won't have to work again. I, I don't need to work again. But I retired. Then for a year, I was doing nothing. I was waking up on a Monday morning and nothing in my diary, nothing on my reminders. And for me, like, that isn't a way to live. You know, footballers retire early. You can't go from a busy schedule to have nothing to do. That yeah. was, I was going on holiday for the sake of it. I was going to London to, to go to clubs, to, to go for restaurants for the sake of it. Do you know? Because mm. that's no one's free time. Because you have free time. Then one of my mates says, try the punditry. Why not try it? And I was like, mm, I'm not sure my brummy voice, you know, people want to hear that. And they were just like, try it. So um, I remember it was like January 2019, January 2020. I think it was two, January 2020. I started, um, I've done a few things. Then I went to Malaysia and um, done some work in Malaysia. And I really enjoyed it. I started doing a bit of talk sport, bit by bit. They were feeding me a little bit. Then the last six months, it sort of got more and more, where like um, I started doing more and more, especially with talk sport. So for me, it was just, I needed something to do. You know, I went and done my coaching badges, but I don't think coaching's for me. Um, I haven't got the patience. So, yeah. yeah, so really it was just like, started off because I wanted something to do, and then now I just enjoy doing it, every single day. Did you receive any media training, even as a Villa player? Because no. when, when you get interviewed after games and stuff, it, it you know, some people don't, don't can't, they can't naturally naturally talk. So you don't, you don't say get, like no, you don't get media training. Even from some of my interviews, you know, like I've had funny interviews in the past. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like back then, your interviews were hilarious, and now when I listen to you on talk sport, it's so professional. So that's why I have to I think, ask. I've had nothing over my over my career. I think with the radio and the sky and stuff, you learn on the job, if that makes sense. So every time you yeah. go on, you learn bit by bit. They might tell you, you know what, 
um, relax a little bit or show more energy or, you know, like on different shows. So the more you do, the the, the better you get at it, if that makes sense. So now, mm-hmm. you know, like, I feel like it's natural now. But at first, I was a bit nervous. Oh, what do I say? What can I say? You can't, you got to be careful now as well. What word you use? You know, it's it's a different era now. You use the, the wrong word, you know, you're in big trouble, um, mm-hmm. everyone, especially in the media. So you have to be careful when you're speaking. Don't get too carried away. Make sure you say the um the the, the right thing. Because I know that <laughs> that must be that must be tough for you, isn't it? Because we all know Gavi whole loves to say whatever's in his head. So yeah. so I mean I mean how, how do how do you hold it in, Gavi? I know sometimes sometimes you must want to say things when you're on yeah, talk yeah, sport you know and you've got to doing your stick or something. Yeah, I think sometimes when you're getting a bit of stick, but even when you're doing shows with other people and you know the producers are getting them to sort of wind you up because of certain things you said but you have to keep me cool because you know you've got millions of people listening on the radio and you know on sky and if you say the wrong thing you know that's when you'll get sacked and you'll be thinking why did i do that you got look at the the, the examples of um gordon strachan what he says you know he, he he said something outrageous and he's not been seen since on anything so you have mm. to be really careful it don't matter who you are you know, you, you you say the wrong thing now, and you are cancelled. You know, we talk about the cancel, mm. the cancel era we're in now, and we are. You, you you only get one chance. You say the wrong thing, you're gone. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, now now you're doing your punditry, and, and now you're retired and stuff, and and like you said, you have a lot of free time on your hand, um, on your hands. It it must be good in the sense for family time and spending time with kids and stuff. Because I mean. Being a footballer, you don't you don't get that time with your kids, do you, or anything like that? So that a, how, yeah. must be tough. This is a good point. I was um, speaking to Matthew Upson at work a few a couple of months ago, and he said he was going to get into coaching. Then he said to himself, "I've had a career where I've been away from my family with football. Mm. Why would I want to get into another career which is quadruple the hours?" Mm. and be away from your family does that make sense so i'm similar in that that sense as well that i'd rather do the punditry where you can pick and choose when you want to work work here and there Mm -hmm. and spend time with your kids you know Mm -hmm. if you're privileged to be in a position where you can work less and spend time more time with your kids i think every parent would love that you know you can go to Mm -hmm. the safari park on a tuesday morning with your little one you know like Mm -hmm. things like that so for me, definitely, um, it gives me more time to um, spend time with the kids. And I think I've got the perfect balance now. I probably work yeah. one or three times a week. It varies. And I've got some time for myself and my friends and a lot of family time. So I think I've got the right balance at the moment. Yeah. Because, um, you know, now, now, we're, now we're getting, like, now, now you're on... Now you're at this time in your in your career, and like you said, you've got the balance with your kids and stuff. And you didn't back then. Did 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 they ever ask you any questions and and say like, Dad, why why can't can you spend more time with me or anything like that, or or were they were they fine with it? I think I think it was it was different for me, Mo, because I'm from the area, so my my kids were 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 close. So I'd finish training at one, and I'm there to pick them up from school and spend the evening with them. So it wasn't as bad for me. It was just more like. If I had a game, I couldn't go and see my son play football or take the little one somewhere if I'd if I had a game and hotels and stuff. But pre season, 
you'd be away for pre-season whilst the kids have finished school. That makes sense. So the yeah. kids, six weeks holidays, you couldn't go away with them. That was a bit of an mm. annoying thing. When they're going on holiday, you couldn't go with them because you'd be in pre-season. So that, that was a bit annoying. But, you know, for the, the for the lifestyle and the job we've got, a sacrifice like that, you can't really complain about. Yeah, because, I mean, anyway, now, now you're at the time where you're spending time with your kids, you've got the perfect balance, you're entertaining people like me on the radio. But um, before before we start to wrap, wrap this show up, I've got to get your opinion on um, England's chances at the Euros. Where do you think they'll come and how do you think they'll do? I think they can win it, Mo. I, I really do. I feel that as long as he plays the right team and um, the players turn up, I think... I've had this argument on TalkSport with people. I think England's squad's the strongest out of Belgium, Germany, Portugal, France, Spain. I think we've got the strongest squad. I know France have got Mbappe, Benzema, but we've got Sterling, we've got Rashford, we've got Greenish, we've got Foden, we've got Kane, Watkins, Calvert-Lewin, Mount, Henderson. I mean, come on. I think other, 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 other countries should be playing England and thinking, all right, we've got to change our formation because they're so dangerous. We yeah. should be like so worried about all the teams that don't worry about us because yeah. look at the quality we've got. I we mean, do, yeah. talk about the golden era. This is the golden era now. Yeah, because I mean, setting up, I've, I think it's all about, you know, playing the right squad. I mean, with England, if he plays the right squad, I think we'll win it. It's tough as well, though, isn't it? Because if you ask 20 people now, who would you play in the first game, the first 11? Every team's going to be different. Do you know what I mean, your yeah. team will be different yeah. to mine. You know, yeah. the other fans will say Greenish on the left. Man City fans will say Sterling on the left. Man United mm. fans will say Rashford on the left. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. there's going to be so many different teams. But I just hope that Southgate picks, you know, the right one to get results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we'll do just fine. But I mean, um, yeah, like you said, it's um, it's a tough one with with that much um, with that much talent in the squad. It, it's a mm. tough one. So be, before before um before. I'll leave you. I've got to ask you my closing question. And this is a question I ask all the guests as well. What would your message or inspiration be to anyone that's feeling down at the minute? For me, I'd say to them, you know, um, better times are coming. I feel that um, it's been a horrible 12, 13 months for everyone. And I'll just say, you know, better times are coming. Just keep strong. Um Speak to someone who might inspire you. Speak to family, and just just you know just try and keep happy. I know it's very difficult for some people, you know, mm. to 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 do that. But just try and be positive, and you know, just try and keep in there. And um, better times are coming for everyone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that message is perfect. You couldn't have said it any better than that. Because, like, I know myself, I've been at the lowest in my, in my life at times. And, and you've come up and you've you've said the same thing to me. And because you've been my hero and, and my role model all my life, to, to hear you say that to me, it used to boost me. It used to boost me quite a lot. So so I'm glad you're able to... That's why I let you be sorry, FIFA and fancy football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think next season... I think next season we'll put a little bit on if I come first. You give me a call. I'm deleting the app. It's too stressful. Oh, no, don't do that. Oh, no, have you? Oh, God. Oh, yeah, you have. Yeah. 
Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I did, I did leave you quite badly, didn't I? I mean, um, but, but don't worry, I'll give you a chance next season. But for coming on this podcast, yeah, yeah, I'll spend, I'll spend hundred points on players for you. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling happy at the time. You're good. You're a good man. You're a good man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Um, so where where can my where can my listeners and viewers find you on social media, etc.? Um, so social media, um, my Instagram's at ga11 official. Um, my Twitter is no longer there because Twitter is absolute. <laughs> so, yeah, because I'm just winding through yeah. any people up, weren't you? You went on there just to wind a few people up and then got so much backlash and you was like, I need to leave this. Yeah, you know what? I think I think Twitter's a bit too like it's a bit too much for me. I feel like I don't do it as well. It's yeah. addictive as well. I feel like you could sit on there all day, Twitter. You could sit on there all day. Instagram, it's like have a flick through and come up. Twitter, yeah. it's a bit too much for me. And like people are like typing, Oh, look at the weather outside. Do you know, like, like people are, like, yeah. are, are addicted to it, aren't they? It's their whole life on there. So for me, yeah. Instagram, so you can find me there. Yeah, on Instagram. And guys, what I'm wearing now is Six Figures. This is your brand, isn't it, Gabby? Yeah, my brand, yeah. That's Six Figures. Amazing clothing, amazing caps, everything. So if anyone wants any of that, check out. Is it, what's the website? It's at sixfiguresofficial.co.uk. Yeah, so, yeah, guys, check all that out. Thank you very much for, for doing this with me, Gabby. Uh, you know, right, I appreciate it as well. Nah, you're an amazing guy. You're an amazing guy. Thank you so much. All right, bro? Okay, bro. All right. Okay. Take care. See ya. See ya. Right. Take care. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us on the Live to Inspire podcast with me, your host, Mo Eunice. Please comment, like and share to help build our global community.